So good morning, family. Uh, it's, it's nice to be home, especially as uh, the baby that's in my wife, Sarah's belly, gets ready to join us on the outside of her belly. Um, it's good to be home. It was, it was really, really nice, however, to be able to travel over the last six weeks. Um, during the month of June, I was given the opportunity to take a rest of sorts, to take a sabbatical. And so we went uh, to four other local extensions of the church. Um, so please hear what I just said. Local grouping or extension of the church. We didn't go to a different church. Uh, rather, we met with a different group of people in a different context who are part of the church as a whole. And this is really similar to what I like to remind us of many, many Sundays. You did not come to church this morning. But rather, if you've confessed that Jesus Christ is, is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you are the church. And this just happens to be the building that we're meeting in this morning. Um, so during June, we went to Wilmington, North Carolina, Arlington, Virginia, and Cary and Durham to worship with our brothers and sisters in those different places, uh, to meet with their worship pastors, to meet with their pastors, ask them why they do what they do, how they came about doing those things. Um, it, was, it was a really good time to learn from, learn with, um, and really pick the brains of some of my peers, as it were, other worship leaders in other places. Um, but this last week, I was in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, worshiping with the church there. And the same concept applies. Because believe it or not, I was not in a different church in a different country in a different place. Uh, I was with the family of God. I was singing praises to the exalted Christ. I was hearing the word of God read. And I was submitting to the teaching of a pastor. So that's pretty much a description of the same thing, uh, not necessarily something different. So it was a blessing. Of course, that's not, that's not all that the church does, and that's more or less a description of when we worship together. But uh, over the last two weeks, you've had the opportunity to explore the teaching of Jesus that we are to be salt and light. That's the rest of what the church does. And Sean has traced those pictures all the way throughout Scripture. And so I'm going to come back around to those things um, after we establish our context this morning for talking about reaching our world. And uh, it's a small world, and it's getting smaller. And believe it or not, this is a really, really true statement. So I flew to Honduras, uh, a relatively small country, like I was saying, about the size of our state. Um, and it's in Central America, so it's that land bridge that connects North and South America. Um, I served as a worship leader or a coordinator of sorts there for nine days. I was leading music every night with about 97 uh, people, 75 of whom were, were youth and college students. I was leading music, um, structuring our worship services to kind of reflect on and respond to what we had done during the week. I also was playing on a soccer team um, with some kids who had not ever played soccer before and some who had, and all of whom, when playing with the Honduran kids, looked like we had never played before. And uh, it was a long, a long nine days, but an amazing nine days. Um, while I was playing soccer on this dirt and rock and glass and plastic field, 
Uh, my shoes fell apart. I had to duct tape them from Wednesday through Friday twice a day to keep them together. Um, there was uh, about, on the side, this is on the top of a mountain, and so the field is right on the edge of the mountain. Off the side of three, two sides are shacks, and we lost about nine balls uh, over the sides of the mountains. And it, it, was, it was just as many Hondurans as Americans kicked it off the side, so I didn't feel too bad. Um, but this is where uh, this neighborhood lived. And while, while we were playing soccer, there's about 12 of us, while we were playing soccer and building relationships um, in order to share the gospel at the end of the week, um, a church building was being constructed right next to the field. And this is the only church for the entire suburb. And yeah, I did, I did say suburb. Uh, this is 30 minutes outside of the city. And this church structure where I was worshiping two weeks ago, um, it's wood planking with a tin roof. And so we were building concrete walls around it. Um, and they're still meeting in the church, you know, this week. While the, it's probably not done yet. And then when they get to the roof, they'll stand on the existing roof, finish the new roof. And then they'll take the church apart and take it out the front door. Uh, and then have a new space to worship in. And so here's an after picture uh, just before we left. Uh, we were, I was able to watch... I didn't really do much of this construction stuff. I was too worn out from soccer, but it was really fun to watch this progress through the week. As we would drive in on this road that hugs another mountain, you could see the church sitting off a ways, and then you could see less and less of the church as the walls got built up. Um, and so hopefully they're going to put that roof on soon, uh, and I really hope to be able to go back and see what happens uh, in the meantime. Um, and... I, I forgot to mention this. There is a, a, a nonprofit that we found while we were there. It's playing soccer. This church is being built. There's a food kitchen that was right next to the field. And there's a nonprofit organization called Loving the Least of These that has actually established a Compassion International type deal where they allow you to sponsor kids. And so some of our soccer players, a couple of the girls and a couple of the guys, um, met these kids and played with them all week. And now they're able to sponsor them through and keep in touch with these kids that they met and hung out with for a week. Uh, through loving the least of these. So if you've not yet um, thought about or sponsored a child through World Vision or Compassion International, loving the least of these would give you an opportunity to sponsor a kid that I've probably played soccer with uh, this last week. So if you're interested in checking out their website, it is that lovingtheleastofthese.org. Um, but what I was originally saying, uh, the world is, is really small. I flew to Honduras, and this only took four hours. Um, in merely four hours, I was in a setting that felt like, you know, it was a world away until I drove through downtown and saw McDonald's and Walmart and Pizza Hut and Popeye's and Burger King and posters for Kung Fu Panda 2. Uh, but, I mean, I, I went to a place where there was a distinct language barrier, right? So far away from the English that I'm used to here in North Carolina, and yet... The kids we met immediately asked us if we knew who Justin Bieber was. <laughs> From this supposedly faraway place, um, Honduras, I was able to speak to my wife um, with a click of a button. I was able to watch as our coordinator uploaded 400 photos to the internet from wireless and Burger King. Um, and as I thought about these things, I've been reflecting that was I really so far away after all? And, and it turns out that here in our church, um, in this group of 
believers that Christ has brought together. Um, we have a sister in Christ who worships with us who was born in Honduras. And that's just our connections to that one country. Um, so let me shrink the globe a little bit more for us because we have missionaries that we as a church family have either met personally or are supporting uh, financially and through prayer. We've been doing this for years. And there's, there's some in Italy. Um, the Hunziker family who direct a Christian camp at Isola, which is outside of Rome. So we are connected to Italy. In Suriname, the family we prayed for this morning, the Lytles, they serve uh, ministering to the indigenous Indian tribes there in Suriname, which is in South America. And they've been there for many, many years uh, sharing the gospel, building relationships. We have a family in Hungary, which is in that part of Asia, Europe, that's kind of fused together, where the Beck family, uh, they, they've led family ministries there in Budapest for years. And they've, they've visited here. We've met them. Uh, in Indonesia, Trip Flyth flies planes for Missionary Aviation Fellowship. And the Flyth family, they're based there in Indonesia now. And so that's, that's shrunk the globe for us, but that's not even to mention all of the, the missionaries we support here in the States because we've got a pretty big country and we have missionaries all across the States that we are supporting as well. And these are people that all of us who gather here at Grace Community Church, we've met, we know personally, we've given to, we're connected with. We're connected with this globe in this way. And that's not even to mention that our teaching pastor is in Australia right now. So GCC, Grace Community Church, we're connected to points all across the globe and via the internet. I mean, we can have direct communication with any of these people or all of them at once if we wanted to. So how often do we really think about the world? How often do we actively, intentionally remember the nations in our prayers, in our giving, and are going. Would you read this text uh, aloud with me? Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Even if, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you are probably really familiar with that passage that we just read. And if you are a follower of Jesus, then you know where those words are from. That's from Matthew 28, uh, where it's, it's called the Great Commission. The final words of Jesus before he ascends in the sight of his followers, um, and he's been spending time with them, eating and drinking and teaching them. And we have this curious word, nations, right here in the middle of this passage, right in the middle of the command. So in Jesus' final spoken words, he speaks of the whole world. 
and he commands us regarding the nations of the world. But what exactly does nations mean? Uh, Because a couple of weeks ago, while I was leading worship for a youth camp in Greenville, North Carolina, I drove past a giant purple sign in the middle of nowhere that said, you are in pirate nation. And I really wasn't sure what to make of that because I hadn't seen any water. I wasn't, you know, crossing any boundaries that I knew of to enter a new nation. But but Pastor Brad and my friend Steve are, uh, he's in our home group. They're part of the Panther Nation. Um, Come to think of it, I think Steve is probably a pirate too. Um, I'm familiar with the Colbert Nation. Uh, And all of these nations exist within the one nation under God that all of us have learned to pledge allegiance to in school. And in the world today, there are 197 recognized nations, many of which are divided within their own boundaries, um, pushing the number of self-defined nations to 200, 300. So biblically speaking, whenever we see nations in Scripture, it's speaking of one of a few things. Uh, Ethnicity is one thing. Uh, The people of Israel were ethnically different than the other peoples of the ancient Near East and and people of other continents or even, you know, more ethnically diverse. So ethnicity plays a role in how a nation is defined. And ethnically, though, I am Caucasian and Latino or Hispanic because my grandmother was from Puerto Rico. And as the census language if you took the census and actually did that, as it recently is kind of indicated, defining one's own ethnicity is becoming harder and harder as the world gets smaller and smaller. But there's another way. Uh, through language, biblically, we see this motif in very, very important places. Um, at the Tower of Babel, when God uses language to divide the people. Language is the means by which the nations associate. Um, and then think about Pentecost. God then affirmed the languages of those nations by enabling believers to speak the gospel in the language that needed to be heard. Um, God did not force his people to submit to the Hebrew alone. He did not ask us to learn Greek and Hebrew. I mean, because Islam calls us to necessarily learn Arabic in order to read the Quran, to read the words of Allah. Um, but in Pentecost... God pointed out with fire that the gospel can be translated into any language in any nation. Territory is another thing. This is pretty pretty a no-brainer. It's clear that the boundary lines of a country are very important to how a nation defines itself. The boundaries for the 12 tribes are described when they reach the promised land. Uh, And even today, the boundaries of the nation of Israel are a subject of close attention. So all of the lines on this globe, uh, all the lines on Google Maps, they carry a lot of meaning for the people who live uh, in those places. Uh, Religion is a defining factor in in a nation because biblically, religion was as stark a line to draw as language or as uh, territory because the people groups in Canaan, in the Promised Land, they were distinct because they worshiped false gods. The worshipers of Baal or Dagon, they were defined as a nation by the gods that they worshiped. And then even in Ephesus, which we just looked at recently going through Acts, um, when Paul visits, 
you know, they flip out and appeal to their religions. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians because that's important to who they are as a people, as a nation. And then today, I mean, think about Hindu. It's a, it's a religion, language, national identity, all of the above. Uh, lastly, and this one to me is, is maybe the most significant, nations tend to be shaped biblically by defining moments in their history. So we actually see this in the pirate, panther, tar heel, blue devil, blue devil, and wolf pack nations as well. A group of people will rally behind events that have occurred in their past. They give boundary or definition to to them. I mean, the wolf pack nation that mourned recently with the passing of uh, Lorenzo when uh, you know, they were there and saw the 1983 championship and saw Jimmy V running around trying to find somebody to hug. That's a defining moment in the wolf pack nation. Um, for the Panther Nation, it may be that inauguration when the first season in Charlotte, if you had tickets then, like you, you then define yourself by that event. Um, so how much more so uh, July 4th, 9-11. And again, how much more significant the Exodus, the building of the temple of Yahweh in Jerusalem the resurrection from the dead of Jesus, the Messiah. What a great kingdom we are a part of. So ultimately, the working definition for nations, when we see it in the Bible, it centers on groups of people, not necessarily plots of land. And Jesus has commissioned us to teach all groups of people to tell them the story of the Messiah and model life and worship with them. And it isn't just in Matthew 28. Uh, where we find this importance of all nations. We also find God's love for the nations rooted in his covenants. Think about the covenant with Abraham in Genesis 17. Abraham is promised to be the father of a multitude of nations. And in the Psalms, they are filled to the brim with nation language. In Psalm 2, it speaks prophetically of the Lord's anointed, his son Jesus, the Messiah, he needs but ask, and the nations will be his inheritance. Uh, in Psalm 22, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. In Psalm 46, uh, be still and know that I am God, I am exalted among the nations. That's how that line completes. And then let me read to you from Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering, come into his courts. Worship the Lord 
and the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Our God has a fierce love for the whole earth, for all nations, every people group. And when we first read through a text as epic as this, um, or even you know, just the Matthew 28 text, we may allow the grand language of all the earth to overwhelm us. Uh, we may let the enemy whisper in our ears that it's just too big. It's just too much. It's too great a work. Surely there's nothing I can do. And in the name of Jesus, our King, I tell you, there is no place in God's kingdom for lies like that. We, we are wealthy here. And it'd be really easy for me, having just come back from a developing country, to rail against the wasteful wealth that each and every one of us enjoys. Even those of us in debt, uh, we have the capability of being in debt, uh, of borrowing money. The kids that I hung out with this last week, um, they're never going to have the option of a credit card. They're never going to have that as a choice, and, and some of them may not have anything to eat uh, when I go to lunch. And I say all that to say this. God has positioned the American extension of the church, his body, to make a great impact in the world for his glory. God has positioned us to make a great impact in the world for his glory. We are the ones who can afford to fly and actually have baggage around the world. We can support the technological advances. We can research the languages that still need scripture translations and thank God for his mercy toward us and those of us who have not been responsible with the measure he has given to us. So we are capable of leveraging our considerable wealth for the glory of God among the nations. We are capable. Are we doing it? Grace Community Church exists to exalt the Lord. And we do this by proclaiming Christ's glory weekly. In our gathering together for worship, we do this by telling the gospel to our own hearts daily, to our families daily daily, to our home groups, weekly. We do this by honoring the name that we bear, Christian, in our thoughts, in our speech, and in our actions. Grace Community Church exists to establish believers, and we do this by discipling in our home groups, in our leadership teams, and in our one-on-one discipling relationships. We do this by serving one another through children's ministries, nursery care, celebrating together, grieving together, living life together. And Grace Community Church exists to engage the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the one that should move us emotionally and literally. And we engage the world by being salt and light. 
So if this is your first time worshiping with us this morning, if you're a visitor, um, I would uh, implore you to take the time to check out the two sermons that precede this one that are online. Um, Because Sean took great care to unpack what this means, to be salt, to be light, um, as Jesus taught in Matthew 5. And as Sean preached, we were challenged to live as salt where we are. And by virtue of the Holy Spirit of God who is living in us, wherever we are in the world, uh, our neighbors should be able to taste the difference. And notice that although we looked at um, this text in Matthew 5 from the local perspective, um, it is explained by Jesus in terms of the whole world. So what, what does this mean for our saltiness? Um, it means that God may call you to move somewhere other than America, and that's okay. God may indeed be already speaking to somebody about uh, going to a region of this world that needs to hear about Jesus, that needs the scripture brought to them. And you can be living as salt in Honduras uh, just as well as living as salt in Dunn and Buies Creek and Fuquay. This also means that God may be calling you to live exactly where you are and not move at all. Because many of us are connected to the world through our pockets, through our smartphones, our laptops. Um, They allow us to share the gospel with people all over the world without having to move except for our fingers. And some of us, some of us already live next to someone who is from India or someone who is from Turkey or someone who is from Mexico. And we can live as salt with that neighbor, sharing the gospel with them as God transforms their life. Who among us knows what God may do back in their home country through that relationship? With our proximity to Campbell University, uh, there are international students who come to Bowie's Creek from all across the planet. And we can live as salt with this community and have a global impact for his kingdom. But only if we're intentional about this, only if we remember it, if we keep the whole world in our prayer times, not just every once in a while. So what does this mean for our light? How are we to be a light to the whole world? Uh, having just come from mission abroad, I would, I would dare you to go. Uh, for many of you, you've gone before to another part of the world to share Jesus. It's just, it's just been a while. Uh, for others of you, you have never leveraged your wealth or your time or your energy to go outside of the U.S. So hear me when I say Go. If you have any questions about how to go, who to go with, uh, please ask one of the elders. um, Talk to me or Sean. We can connect you with the right resources so that you can be a light around the world. But another way that we can be light in the world is by partnering with people who are going, by lending our prayer support, our financial support to those who are in position to go more easily or those who are in a season of life that lends itself to be flexible. 
So for instance, Sean is going to India in a couple of short weeks. And so we can pray for Sean. We can give towards Sean's financial needs as he prepares to leave. Many of our missionaries have had their support take a significant hit over the past two years as our economy is tanked. And so if you are in position to give sacrificially to our missionaries, then give. And a way that we can be light to the whole world uh, that all of us can participate in, even at this very moment, is to pray for the world. So if you have a globe at home or a map um, or a copy of Operation World, if you're familiar with that, then it would be a good thing to begin to structure your family devotion time where you pray for one of the 197 nations of the world every day. Pray for those who are on mission there. Pray for those who will go. Pray for the church in those countries because those are your brothers and sisters. So let's take a moment to pray just for those who are in Honduras um, that I've just have fresh on my mind um, who have confessed Christ. So would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you have enabled uh, us to go. And I thank you for the privilege of being able to, to be in Honduras. And I pray for my brothers and sisters there those who have just recently confessed that you are Lord. We pray that those pastors would be filled with the Spirit, would be energized to build relationships and to pour into those new believers. We pray for discipleship to happen in that country, in those churches. We pray for all the missionaries who live there now, that they would be renewed and energized to share the gospel. We pray for their government, for their financial situation, that even in the midst of that, you would find glory in stabilizing it uh, and renewing that. And we pray that there would be more and more who would join the family of God, become a part of the kingdom through the advancement of the church, even in Honduras. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's really all that it might take to add that into your daily routine to pray for a country every day. Um, The mission of God does not exist because there's a church. The church exists because God is on mission. And he invites us to be a part of that work. And so that's really where we have to start with the mission of God to reach the whole world for his sake, for his glory. So we have to begin with the greatness of the finished work of Jesus, the Messiah. Those things we sang about earlier today. Um, And then ask ourselves, how can we bring him the glory and honor that he deserves? Because the goal of missions, reaching the world, uh, it's for the increasing glory of our great God. And so there are some practical things that, we can do when we start with Jesus' finished work in our minds. Think of Jesus' work of grace. Um, that can affect how we interact with people of other faiths, people all around the world or living next door. As you are interacting with people from different parts of the globe, there are some things you can keep in mind. So here's one of them. First, as salt and as light, we can expect and look for and even welcome all signs of the grace of God at work in the lives of people who don't know Jesus. This means that for those good people that you know, um, it's okay to listen to what is happening in their life 
and the ways they're trying to love each other and trying to love their neighbors. And you can actually affirm that. Um, many of us are familiar with the method of evangelism that begins with our sinfulness. And in this method, you know, we help someone recognize how awful they are so they can progress then to grace. Um, and it, it is entirely possible, however, uh, and sometimes better, to begin sharing the gospel at the common point of God's amazing grace. His unmerited favor toward us, which is given to us in so many different ways. So as salt, simply being around a person is going to draw out grace in your relationships. And as light, you'll be illuminating the dark corners uh, by admitting your own sin and by accepting God's grace toward you in Jesus. Because it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict of sin. So look for grace. Point to Jesus. Point to his accomplished work. And let that common point of common grace be a place that you meet. Secondly, um, when we start with a gospel understanding of history, uh, we can actually look for ways to work together with people around the world in ways that align with God's purposes for the world. So as followers of Jesus, you know, we, we should care for the outcast, the unclean, the orphan, the widow, the single mother, those in prison. And when these works are occurring already, um, we can partner with those who may or may not realize they're service, serving the purpose of God. Um, in, in Honduras, there were some non-believers who saw us doing construction work and came to help. Um, and so we didn't shove them away uh, and act disgusted. We graciously, graciously accepted their help. And in turn, we introduced them to the Honduran believers and to the pastor and they started forming relationships with these non-believers. Uh, in Africa, there may be you know, a tribe leader who recognizes that there's a need for clean water, and so he asks for blood water mission to come in. Um, so should they turn away from this opportunity to work together with a, with a pagan tribe leader? Uh, certainly not. <laughs> and then think about the, the extreme makeover house that's in Fayetteville. Um, there were believers and non-believers working together on this home. Uh, and if there's an opportunity for you to build a Habitat for Humanity house um, somewhere near you, that is a great way for Christians and non-Christians to work together for something that ultimately is bringing God glory. And that where this comes together is that while we're looking for common grace in other nations and other tribes and other cultures— and while we are working with them sometimes to accomplish something that would care for the least of these, this brings about the right context for talking about Jesus. When you're working together, when you're sweating with somebody, when you're breaking bread together, when you're sharing a meal with somebody, um, these are the contexts for real conversation and real conversation dialogue in which you can tell the story of the gospel in your own life. You can tell a story of the gospel in a way that's incarnational, is how it was shown to us. And it's lived out among the people that you're talking to. I would say that um, the, the best place to, to share the gospel is within the context of a relationship. Um, I had not thought about sharing this, but I'm going to throw it in. While, and this is one of the things I prayed that I wouldn't do, but while I was in Honduras, there was an opportunity uh, for the kids that were with us, the high schoolers' kids, um, to go and to share the gospel 
um, in the suburb, like down the dirt paths into the shacks while the church was being finished, the church building, and while we were still playing soccer. So as these kids were going around, they went with a member of the Honduran church, and, or some of them went with a pastor and a translator. And these kids went down and would enter into a home, would meet somebody. They would then pray with them, um, share their own testimony through the translator. And they spent like 45 minutes to an hour in each home, kind of just talking, sharing, praying. And then at the end of that 45 minutes, would, would ask if, if there was anything you know, laying heavily on the heart of that person they'd been sharing with. And in a lot of cases, people rededicated their lives to the Lord or became Christians after having that extended period of time. I mean, that wasn't a knock on the door. Some of them didn't have doors to knock on. That wasn't a, here, let me hand you a tract. That was a, I'm going to spend time talking with you that is a significant amount of time. Uh, but then for us on the soccer team, uh, we spent an even more significant amount of time. Uh, we spent a whole week just playing soccer, just laughing, um, trying to play with the Honduran kids. And when we got to Friday, um, then I asked the pastor to come up. And he, at that point, these Honduran guys who had been there all week, they knew, they knew us, they recognized us, and they heard us when we shared our stories through the interpreter. And when the pastor shared the gospel, only two of the soccer players confessed Christ as Lord. But two people uh, confessed that Jesus as Lord received uh, his lordship over their lives and have joined me as a brother in the kingdom. And it was, it was phenomenal. But it took a whole week of my shoes falling apart and my knee getting busted to really build that relationship with these people in Honduras. And that's, that's something that happened, you know, here in this other country. But here in your neighborhood, there is a neighbor um, and there are families who are already doing this and doing this well here at Grace Community Church. But there is a neighbor who you can build a relationship with and it may take an hour of telling your story and they want to hear more about Jesus. It may take a week of you sharing your story in your life and they want to hear more about Jesus. It may take five years of you sharing life with them before they want to hear about Jesus. But what matters is that they're going to hear about Jesus. So this week, uh, remind your own heart of the gospel every day. Remind your family of the gospel every day. Then from that place, tell your neighbors about Jesus. And reach the world, the whole world, with the gospel of Jesus, our King.